Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. Sarah. Hi, Peggy. <laughs> I'm excited about today's topic, even though it's weird to be excited about it. <laughs> Today we're talking about soteriology. The doctrine of salvation. So this is this is an interesting one because, well, because you know, deliberals really even ever think about this, but in yeah. some way, I think that it defines. Like there's almost an absurdity about it that liberals dismiss and and then dismiss religion with it, right? So I mean, it started, um, you know, in the beginning with this idea of hell, and people are going to hell, and you have to behave right so to avoid hell. And then there was this real issue in the 500s. With this question of like, are people really Christian, right? There was this, Constantine had come in and declared that the Roman Empire was Christian, but most people didn't even know what that meant. And they didn't have access to priests or churches and, you know, centuries were going by and that wasn't getting better. And Gregory the Great had this idea and he had a lot of really good ideas. And one of them was confession, which for him was like, let's get a priest into everybody's house at least once a year so they have some access to some religious leader and and with that kind of understood that the whole hell idea really freaked people out because nobody felt perfect enough to go to heaven like given the choices most of us are like yeah there's if it's if it's one or the other like <laughs> then then it's not going to be good and and so even as they were learning about christianity they weren't it wasn't welcoming and so he created purgatory as a way of like, I think there's this middle ground and you can, you know, kind of whatever you've done, you can work off. So you have confession and you can, you know, be forgiven. But if there are things you weren't forgiven for, you've got some time in between and then you'll go to heaven. And that, you know, was more welcoming, right? I think that was like 600, five, in like the 590s, 600 when purgatory came in. And then, you know, we pop up to the 14th century and Julian of Norwich and her saying, I have a secret. Actually, everybody is saved. You know, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Like there's nothing for you to worry about for which she had to wall herself into a church because it was so radical to believe that everyone would be saved. But that was such a hot question at the time, right? There was the Inquisition, there was there were indulgences, there was so much around like who is saved and who is not saved and who gets to decide and what is the punishment. And it, there was so much energy around it that when we started shifting into liberal religion, it was at first radical to think everybody is saved, right? I don't know if you wanna talk about 
some of that universalist history. Yeah, so I mean, even that, right, dates back as early as Christianity, even earlier, really. But there were early Christians who were universalists, and they were, you know, origin, right, is one of them. And they were considered heretics as the Christian ideas got solidified and worked out once it became a state religion. Um, but that idea pops up here and there throughout all of those heresies over the next 2000 years. Um, and then you get a lot of it really developing in like sort of the 1700s, right? And then into the 1800s in America, especially. And it's again, it's the idea, right? That like God in God's infinite power and mercy and love wouldn't condemn anyone to an eternity of hell, right? So at certain points, the liberal religious response to salvation and hell is, well, gosh, we believe in a loving God, like a parent God, why would that God condemn anyone? And there were variations. This is always my favorite thing. So I have to say it. There were always, there were these variations, right? There were the restorationists who were like, actually, you might have to do a little bit of time in hell and then God will like bring you back, right? And then there were the ultra universalists, that's where I fall, who were like, nope, God's got the power. God's gonna use it. You are going to be like saved immediately upon your death, right? What is interesting to consider though, right, given that long history, given this sort of like notion for a long time that what you're being saved from, right, if we think about especially like Dante's notions of hell, right, which become very popular in the imagination, what you're being saved from is this horrible, terrifying vision of an eternity of like punishment specifically designed for like your crimes, right? So like, there's my favorite is like Ugolino who like, there was something about his sons and he ends up spending eternity like eating his son's heads, right? It's horrible. It's absolutely terrifying. So the question though becomes, right? If you don't believe in a God that's gonna condemn, if you don't believe in Satan who's gonna design you the perfect eternal punishment, you don't even necessarily then have to believe in universal salvation after death why do you care about soteriology? What difference does it make, right? Like what difference does salvation make for someone who doesn't, you know, which is true for many liberal religious folks. They don't come at religion with these notions of punishment and favor and grace and all of this. So what is it, right? What are we being saved from? And this is where I always come back to when we, when I preach Easter, honestly, because I don't believe that Jesus died to save anyone, right? but I do believe in salvation. I believe in salvation as a thing that we bring about together for each other here and now to save ourselves and each other from the hell that's human made, right? Um, and so when we think about what does all this matter to a liberal religious person, that's where I end up. I don't know where you. Well, that's, I think this is where religion becomes more easily dismissed. And I think that liberals just sort of shrug and say, who cares? Like, we don't know what happens after death. This whole punishment thing doesn't really make sense. Like, it, it isn't reasonable, rational. It doesn't move us. It's not part of our experience. So this becomes the kind of almost the entryway into, am I, am I leaving religion altogether because this doesn't make any sense? And I think actually that those of us who stay, the question of salvation really has to do with from what are we being saved 
right now. And, and it isn't really, it's not an after death question. It's really like, what does my life look like? And what does our society look like? And really for me, what is the social sin that we engage from which we need to be saved? And not relying on a God to save us from it by recognizing that that social sin is created by us and is also untangled by us. We are saved from our own broken systems because we fix the systems. Right. What's interesting here, right, is that there really is a history of sort of early early universalists, sort of turn of, I would say turn of the 20th century universalists, whose notion was, right, the critique was, if there's no hell, then people are going to run amok and behave very badly. And their whole notion was actually, if we believe in a God that wants all of us to be saved and joyful and in God's presence, then our very work absolutely is to here and now on this earth, create the world that reflects God's love, right? So in this really interesting way, the very thing that they were critiqued for was actually like a very central tenet of what it meant to be universalist. And you can easily let go of the notion of God out of that, but keep what amounts to social responsibility, right? Mutual care, the creation of a world in which everyone lives free and with what they need. And, you know, like, it's, so it's an interesting I agree with you. I think a lot of people toss out religion because they're like, God, heaven, hell, it all sounds a little crazy. I can't. But interestingly, you can toss out some of that theological stuff, but replace it with what amounts to like a theology of community, right? Or a theology of mutual care. And that retains this sort of core essence of we will save each other, right? Also though, while you're talking, I'm thinking, it, it seems really um, potentially dangerous for us to become so self-referential in it. I mean, I'm just sort of wondering when we talk about, right, so a traditional understanding of salvation is this, this um, God, this really monotheistic, judgmental God who plays the role of Santa Claus and like, were you naughty or were you nice? And most of us were naughty, so then, so then we start creating like ways to not to be afraid of how naughty we were and how to like undo that. When we dismiss it all together, though, um, we then I, I think we become um, I don't know maybe the world becomes a little more shallow, and I, I think that there's something in it for us to consider the possibility that that we are, we're not just saving each other, we're not just saving ourselves, but that there's a way in which the world is, um, wants to come alive and that we can participate in, in a greater life for all the world. I mean, I'm sort of working on the idea that of, a, of an imminent God, right? Not, not just not just the God who's outside of us, but the God who's within us and the ways in which we can recognize the God in each other and bring to life something that is even bigger than just fixing the systems. 
Yeah, I don't, I do not disagree actually. But again, this comes back to this question of like what is created between us, right? Or what is accessed in our relationship, right? So that there's not a need. It's perfectly, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with it, but there isn't a need to retain necessarily the term God or the notion of a God that exists independent of us or that enacts salvation upon us, right? I agree with you. If what, if what I was saying was, we each save ourselves and that, right? Like then that's one thing. But I think that what I'm talking about is what you also described, right? Which is when you mutually are bound, right? And, and you know, there's plenty of sort of sociologies of religion that would talk about like what happens when we do things in community as opposed to as individuals, right? So it's an important distinction for sure. But I don't think that, I don't think that anything is lost if we describe it as, together we do a thing right because in the doing together we access i'm like doing this with my hands um we access something greater right and we also create something greater um i think it is really interesting though it is interesting in a much bigger sense to think about when we talk about liberal religion because you and i have pretty different i think relationships to god and that term right um I think at the end of the day, we would argue probably that all the same things are like vitally important and we have to like do certain kinds of work and all of this. But but part of what's beautiful about liberal religious tradition that it actually it admits for a lot of difference in opinion around God, the nature of humans, the nature of life, all of these things. But But in theory, there are some sort of shared places where we come around again to mutual care, community, depth, meaning, right? Like living responsibly. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that as within the context of liberal religion, we allow for the possibility of being wrong and mm-hmm. for the, the possibility of, of just not knowing what we're talking about, right? So, so this sense of um, like the prescriptive, if you do this, this is what happens, right? So I come from a Catholic tradition and it was really specific, (laughs) like very specific things had very specific consequences. And for me, the soteriology is sort of the place where where liberals um, stretch out the most and are the most like, you know, we're gonna do the best we can and we're gonna do the best we can for each other. And we're gonna create the world we believe should exist. And that's what we've got, right? And we're not, we don't, we don't have all the answers around all of this. And that's, that's part of embracing soteriology as a liberal religious person is like the, mm, I don't know, like, here's my, maybe. <laughs> But also, I also, there's something in there that I actually is really, really resonating in like, a, I'm getting fired up kind of way, which is a long time ago when I was a seminarian, I had a very good friend who was in the Episcopal tradition and was at that point in her life struggling just with the idea of being good enough, right? And that's so tied into how we understand punishment, hell, salvation, right? But the idea that like doing the best you can even if you make mistakes, even if you get it wrong, like that's actually going to be good enough. 
you're not going to be condemned to hell forever. That is good enough, right? Like living your life and moving through the world as best you can. Um, and I think there's this other piece that like, I think you're right. It's a place where liberal religion really stretches. And I think the other tie here for me is around redemption, right? That there's a, there's a fundamental belief in liberal religion that redemption, second chances, are possible and not only possible, but that we like owe them to each other, right? So that all of a sudden you get away from a punishment model and you get into um, a model of rest like restorative justice, right? Or you get into a model of um, rehabilitation and you get out of this place of, and that's actually in some ways what letting go of that rigid vision of salvation from hell gets you is so much more openness in how you live in the world together and what you allow for other people to achieve in their life and in community. So I totally agree with you, but if I'm gonna critique liberal religion, I'm gonna say that um, we don't do that well. We actually don't. We talk about redemption and we say we make room and it's all theoretically true, but I would actually argue that at least recently and maybe not just recently, maybe this is a long time, but we're, we're not so good at it. We're, we don't forgive each other so quickly. We don't. We, um, we can be pretty intense. I feel like that could be a, a whole episode, right? Around like, what, what does this really look like on the ground? Because I think we struggle with redemption for each other. Yeah, so then maybe that is the sort of, um, you know, I feel like every episode I'm like, take this challenge on listener. <laughs> but I do think, you know, but it's, I can't help it. Maybe it's the minister in me. I can't help it. But I do think that like, that's an interesting question, right? Is if you play out, because part of what we're talking about is how do these big concepts actually work in people's lives, right? So if you're going to play out how salvation matters in your life, maybe it doesn't, maybe you don't feel like there's anything you need to be saved from, right? But maybe there's salvation you can offer others in the form of redemption or a, a deeper openness to other people's experience in life. Maybe there's work to be done on fixing the system, whatever that looks like. But to sort of think about where are you limiting, right? Where are you limiting or enhancing the salvation of yourself, others, the world, you know, and just give that a little think. So we didn't plan on that being our, our end. We weren't, we were not really thinking like there's an action item in this season. Like I think it wasn't our first, but, but you're good at coming up with them. And it's a good way for us to end the conversation because we could talk about this for a long, long time, but it has been really good talking with you and starting to unpack what I think is a huge subject. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Peggy. See you soon, Sarah. Bye.